Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. It's Monday. That means it's time for our Monday mailbag. But as we do each and every Monday, we're going to get into the action over the weekend. And to be honest with you, it's the dog days of summer. And it seemed like it with the action over the weekend, both with the affiliates and Los Angeles. So Austin, hey, thank you as we bring in Austin Brubaker. Again, thank you for joining for the Monday mailbag. Thanks again for having me, Casey. Okay, man, let's dive into this. The the Dodgers, hey, kind of a dud over the weekend. They lost two out of three to the Reds and didn't really – they didn't look real inspired, didn't look real good doing it, but still 48 and – or 58 and 45, two games ahead of the Giants who are still playing well. The D-backs have fallen back a little bit. D-backs down four games. They have really struggled the last two or three weeks. But, hey, talk about as far as Los Angeles goes, the action over the weekend. Yeah, no. Uh, if we look at the big league club, if we look at Los Angeles for the Dodgers, I mean, it was a frustrating weekend. Obviously, this is the time where you want to take some of these series against some of the tougher tougher competition just to kind of prove yourself. But this weekend obviously was not a great weekend, losing two out of three to what I'll say is a very good Cincinnati team. You saw a lot of things go on. You saw some injuries to some of their players, just some of them going down, just with some of the wear and tear of the season just kind of building up on them. There are definitely signs for concern with this team. But if you look at the overall Overall big picture, you're still in first place. You're still up by a couple of games. Some of the teams behind you have also struggled with the wear and the tear of the season just kind of building up. You've got to be a little bit concerned, but ultimately, big picture-wise, Dodgers are still in a good, good position. Were you surprised they pulled the trigger on Phil Bickford? A little bit, um, but ultimately... With the trade deadline season coming on, with them looking to have new additions, I think they're trying to look at some of the guys who they want to use in the bullpen for the playoffs. And I think ultimately they looked at Phil Bickford and decided that he was not going to be a part of the picture for this season's postseason. And I think when they made that decision, I think that's when they pulled the trigger on that. I've said a couple of times I thought Michael Grove was pitching well enough to not go back to AAA. Obviously, yesterday was, you know, it was just not a good performance. There's no other way to put it. So where are we at with Michael Grove right now, you think? Yeah, no, obviously yesterday wasn't very good. But even with that, you saw him be able to get a lot of strikeouts. So I think with mm-hmm. a guy like Michael Grove, I think his role – Uh, at least for the rest of this season with the Dodgers, probably is going to change. Uh, I think you could see him more in like a piggyback slash reliever type role with his ability to get some swings and misses. Um, And I think the Dodgers are really looking to potentially add an additional starter. We see all these rumors right now as of Monday morning about potentially looking after an elite frontline starting pitcher. Um, I think with Michael Grove, I think you're going to see him get an opportunity just because of the amount of pitchers that they need and his ability to get swings and misses to potentially work out some of his issues in the Dodgers bullpen. But I think ultimately with the Dodgers looking to add more, his role is going to have to change in the future. Okay, so the trade deadline is, I think, like 7 o'clock Eastern or something like that tomorrow. Okay, so the, but that's that's not the end of the transactions the Dodgers can make. We've seen in years past, you still can pick up players off of the waiver wire. You can pick up players via trade through waivers. So if the Dodgers, you know, if they don't, of course, you're not going to get a number one starter, you know, a superstar on a waiver wire, obviously. But we've seen the Dodgers just do fantastic things with guys who, what we talked about last time, who fit the formula, who have big fastballs, left-turning sliders, tumbling change-ups, but maybe you're struggling right now, you know, like a Ryan Brazier, or, you know, we saw him get Ryan Sheriff from the the Red Sox a, a, a week or so ago. So you could still pick up very talented guys that maybe are a little bit more of reclamation guys through the waivers even after tomorrow. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. They were, they will still have the ability to try to find some of those guys, perhaps on some sort of, as you mentioned, like reclamation projects. The Dodgers really do like to take a lot of these guys and help make them better. They like to help make these guys as good as they possibly can be. Take some of those guys who may be on the wrong side of regression and take them on the right side and try to help fix some of their stuff, perhaps change up some of their pitch usage to help make them better players. So you could still possibly see that. However, I don't think you're going to see as far as an ace level starter through the waiver wires. I think if you want that, you have to get that either today or tomorrow. Who would that be? I think right now the rumors as much as Dodgers fans might not like this due to some past history. It looks like the ace starting pitcher that is really out there. And the only one that's available right now is Justin Verlander. Yeah. Hey, if he can help you win a world series, if you can use him to win a world series, do it, man. I mean, Hey, you, you owe it to the guys who put in the blood, sweat and tears. You owe it to the fans who pay incredible amounts of money to, to support this Dodgers team, to go to games, to buy the products that, that advertise, to help pay for the payrolls. You owe it to your franchise to do everything that you can to put them in the best position to win a World Series. Now, if you think it's going to kill the culture, if you think, you know, hey, it's actually not going to be a net positive because of all of the off-the-field issues of it, then, hey, that doesn't advance your, your cause towards the World Series. If you feel that way, don't do it. But if you do feel like on the field, it will absolutely, you know, advance your cause towards the World Series. I don't think you hesitate. I don't think you worry about any of the extra extra stuff around it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a little bit of a different perspective as far as Verlander concerns, being from the state of Michigan and mm-hmm. being a part growing up with me uh, when I, as I watched baseball. Uh, so I have very much different opinion than a lot of Dodgers fans have when he came on with the Astros in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, Justin Verlander is a phenomenal pitcher. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame level pitcher who is starting to find his groove into the season after being injured. And he is the ace level pitcher that the Dodgers could potentially need. And I think we've talked about this all along. They need that number one level starter. And there just hasn't really been a number one level starter. Looked at the Dodgers. They got Lance Lynn uh, a couple days ago. Uh, and he has shown himself to be a really, really good pitcher in the past, but he has struggled a little bit. And so there's been a little bit of struggle with him. If you want, if you want certainty, if you want somebody who is going to go out there, who has performed in the playoffs, I know he's struggled in the World Series before, but if you look at some of his playoff starts, he's had really good playoff starts. The only person who fits that billing is a guy like a Justin Verlander, and he's the only one who's really avail- potentially available on the market. I think that's something that the Dodgers really have to highly, highly consider, and they have to get over the frustrations of the past if you want to move forward and give yourself the best opportunity to win this year. No doubt about it. So I, I'm all in. You know, I, I've said all year I have been the champion of the thought of overpay. Go get a number one starter guy so I can't speak out both sides of my mouth. There it is. It's right there in front of you. Do whatever you have to do to make it happen. That's where I'm at right there. Because I think if you throw a a Justin Verlander into that mix, you already have the Lance Lynn. I think if you shore up your your starting rotation that way and, you know, you added Joe Kelly, I think you're a championship caliber team right now. I think you're you're better than the Braves with that if, if you get a Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you have a extremely solid base to your rotation if you do that, because that's not including in the playoff rotation, a guy like a Bobby Miller being able to fill in there mm-hmm. as well. You'd be still be able to utilize his skills in some sort of capacity. That's not including a guy like a Walker Bueller who could potentially come back at the end of the season. I know he's pushing extremely hard to come back as well. Um this would just show Ryan Pepio. Up. 
that would you absolutely it doesn't even include a guy like a ryan pepe you don't know the roles of him you don't know the roles of emmett sheehan that would just add to the depth and of this rotation this would add a little bit more certainty at the top of the rotation as well and i think would just overall make this team a really formidable force going into the playoffs you already have the great offense and hey when you have miguel rojas who can play shortstop uh, the D kind of defense he can play at shortstop. I think we'll get into it here in a minute with the mailbag, but I think you have the pieces there to be World Series championship caliber defense. You have a World Championship caliber offense. You have Joe Kelly that I think is going to kill it in the bullpen now. Really shore up, you know, hey that that bridge maybe to Evan Phillips, which was kind of a role that the Dodgers have struggled with at times this year. So if you add hey, if you can get that number one starter, I think I think you're I think you're the best team in baseball at that point. That's just my opinion. Okay, so were you surprised that the Dodgers, you know, we talk about all these trades and you know, you talk about who you lost and we'll get into that here in a minute with our mailbag with uh starting at the triple A level, you lose Nick Robertson, Justin Hagen, who I just got to meet about a week ago, and I was getting ready to feature him and talk to him, and then he got traded talking about Justin Hageman. Then Nick Nestrini and Jordan Leisure. I was in Tulsa yesterday, so got to talk to some guys about their reactions to losing Nick and Jordan, and boy, they love those two guys. They, they're super excited for the opportunities they're going to get, but the, the, with a fallout that you're not tight. So we know about the four guys who are actually traded. The yeah. two guys that aren't getting talked about, kind of the fallout there, two guys that got DFA'd, Eddie's Leonard, Justin Brule first. Do you think they'll clear waivers? Do you think they'll make it through waivers? And were you surprised to see those moves? Yeah, so I'll I'll speak a little bit more towards Eddie's because I had the opportunity over the past couple yes. of years to see him grow at the Great Lakes level. Um, just to answer your first question as far as whether you expect them to clear waivers, honestly, I think he's going to get another opportunity in another organization. Yeah, I agree. And I, I've, I'm – Fully excited to see him do that, even though I'd love to see the opportunity for both Eddie's and Yorbit to kind of grow up and become Dodgers together. I think that would have been amazing to see them both come up together. Ultimately, the Dodgers, in their pursuit for a World Series, have a serious crunch as far as the 40-man roster is concerned. And ultimately, somebody needed to be removed from that 40-man roster in order to make space for some of these guys. And one of the victims of that is a guy like Eddie's Leonard. Now, it is true that Eddie's Leonard has struggled at the start of the season, both last year and this year. This year, really bad going into double A. Mm-hmm. That is not indicative of the skill that Eddie's Leonard has. He and it's is, not indicative it's, of how he's played since May. It is not indicative. Yeah, if you look at his numbers since May, he has proved to be extremely solid, extremely mm-hmm. reliable. He can play solid and reliable is a good way to put it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He can play up the middle. Uh, He can play shortstop. He can play second base. He's really good at kind of moving around exactly where you need him to. Um, He can be a force in a lineup. He can get into the baseball, provide some power, and just be really that good person in the clubhouse, too, that can really help spark a team when he is on. And man, I can't wait to see what he's able to do in the future because he is going to be somebody that helps a big league club down in the future, wherever that is, whether he continues his journey with the Dodgers, which is something that I'm honestly not really expecting, or wherever he ends up. I know both you and I are going to be rooting for him and excited to see what he's able to do because I fully believe and expect Eddie's Leonard to be a major league ball player. Yep. Does this mean that they're fully committed to Gavin Lux at shortstop from the future and Gavin Lux's rehab obviously is going very well? Is that, is that what this means? That, hey, he's blocked because of Gavin Lux? Yeah, I think I think they are fully committed to having Gavin Lux be at the shortstop at least for next season and then – however many seasons he's going to remain a Dodger. I think they're fully committed to that Uh, with, with Eddie's uh, I think if the, he was going to be utilized at the big league level, I think he'd be probably more utilized in kind of that utility role. I think they would have moved him quite around with having Gavin looks at shortstop. Um, I think they're fully committed to that. We'll have to see what happens though. Yeah, no doubt about it. I don't think there's any doubt. I think I think you can slam dunk the fact that they are committed to Gavin Lux 
at the shortstop spot. I think you can just look at, first of all, I've, I've talked to a couple people that would know that have told me that. So, I mean, I do think that the, the club is, is committed to him to be the future shortstop. And two, just look at the transactions they've made. You know, as far as the length of contract, they have not put any roadblocks in Gavin Lux's way as far as the future for him there at short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Justin Brule, that surprised me. You know, Justin Brule has been good. The thing about him, though, that doesn't fit with this year's team, in my opinion, is that the Dodgers needed the guy like Joe Kelly who can hit 99 like he did the other day with really nasty stuff. That can get swing and miss in their bullpen. That's probably the one thing that that has been the biggest, I don't want to say weakness, but the thing that the bullpen hasn't done as well as you would like is get swing and miss. Now, that you know, of course, they've been inconsistent. They've been a lot better lately. So, hey, being 90, 91, not really a big swing and miss guy, I think it just was more of a fit type of thing that they needed to replace Justin Brule with a swing and miss type bullpen piece. So from there, I think he got squeezed out, but I don't think there's any doubt that he will get picked up. Yeah, I, just, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's got too much talent, and I think mm-hmm. we've seen too much in the past from him not for for other teams not to take a chance yeah. on a guy like Justin Brule. And I think with this roster is concerned, I think they're looking for a little bit of a different different personality i think they're looking for a very specific type of player that they want to take into the playoffs this year and i think ultimately justin brule didn't really fit into that mix and i think that's why he got dfa'd and then why he's going to get picked up by another organization that is going to utilize some of his skills so let's talk about joe kelly lance lynn yeah no so these are Two guys, obviously, this was the big trade that went down a couple days ago. Uh, Dodgers have been looking for pitching help, and they saw pitching help specifically from Chicago. This is something that we've talked about in the past, them potentially looking to this route. And with this, they got an old friend in Joe Kelly who's got that high-velocity fastball. He's got some of that swing and miss stuff. They know what they are getting from a guy like Joe Kelly. Obviously, saw big ovation the other day. Uh, when he was playing Cincinnati. And then Lance Lynn. Now, it is true. Lance Lynn has really, really struggled this year. If you look at a lot of his different numbers, 6.47 ERA, obviously, is a sign of concern. However, when the Dodgers are looking to add players, when they're looking to add them either through the waiver wire, whether they're looking for trade, you are not getting guys for past production. You are looking for guys who are going to provide future production. You can look at past production as a sort of indicator for future success, but you're ultimately hoping these guys will be productive on your team for the future. And obviously the Dodgers think that Lance Lynn is going to be effective and useful for them for the rest of this season as they continue to go along. If you look at a lot of his underlying metrics, the velocities and stuff of his fastball, the shapes and stuff haven't really changed as well. There's been a drastic shift in batted ball data uh, which seems to be reflected as far as there perhaps has been some bad luck. Perhaps there needs to be a little bit of change as far as the pitch usage, as far as the percentage used uh, for fastball for the rest of his stuff. And so I think the Dodgers can take a guy like this, a guy who, if you look just back at two years ago, was one of the best pitchers in the major leagues and turn him around into somebody who can be really effective for the Dodgers in the playoffs. And I think this is a little bit different of a situation from a guy like a Noah Syndergaard who the Dodgers took in because there hasn't been a drastic change in his pitch stuff. There just has been a drastic change in the results. And I think the Dodgers can take this stuff and turn it into better stuff, a little bit better than taking a guy who seems to have lost some of his stuff. So if you go back to Dodgers dogs, we talked about this several different times. If that number one starter, as far as statistics goes, you know, like the Justin Verlander or, you know, hey, we talked about Dylan Cease. If that guy's not available, what we talked about was what they're going to do is they're going to take a guy that has the stuff that could become a number one or a number two 
very quickly once they get into the Dodgers organization and start working some things out. So the the Dodgers have that formula. They look for the four seam. They look for left turns. They look for tumbling changeups and or curveballs. So they found a guy that has, you know, lots of playoff experience, a guy that has been a number one, and he has the stuff that fits the formula for the Dodgers. When you look at Lance Lynn, he has the four seam, cutter that turns left, he has the sinker that turns right, the changeup that tumbles, the curveball that he can flip in there for strike one, and then he has left-turning sliders and sweepers, which the slider, sweeper, cutter, okay, they're, they're, I mean, you're, you're talking about the same pitch, just just different shapes based on the based on the count. So listed as a seven-pitch pitcher, but really a five-pitch pitcher when you talk about four, let's just say four-seam, slider, uh, sinker, change, curveball, right? Okay, so what's going to happen right there is they're going to have him throw his four seam to ride the top of the zone. They're going to tumble his change up, and then he's going to probably throw a few sinkers that turn right, and then whatever you want to call it, whether it be a, a smaller shape for to, to make sure it's a strike and be more of a cutter or a bigger shape, you know, whenever you're ahead in the count looking for swing and miss, and be a slider and or sweeper, that is literally – literally the exact formula that the Dodgers love to pitch to. And so they found a guy that that has all of the the intangibles, you know, hey, the playoff type experience, the guy that can think like a number one, the guy, the guy that in his mind has has been used to dominating, that has the, the metrics and the pitch mix that the Dodgers can turn into a number one starter. Yes, absolutely. And you've seen with a lot of their pickups, they're looking for that exact formula that they can mm-hmm. use and that they can best bring out the best in these players. Lance Lynn fits that formula. He fits exactly with what the Dodgers are looking for. And they feel like they can help turn him into the player that he was, bring out the best in Lance Lynn, and ultimately rely on him for the playoff stretch and for the playoffs as well. So does this mean if they go get Verlander, does that mean the rookies are all done? I think there is still a potential chance to have maybe one or two of them be a part of the roster. Um, For example, for a guy like Bobby Miller, I think you'd probably Dodgers would probably still want to utilize him in some capacity just because of just the electricity of a lot of his stuff. But I think Mm -hmm. ultimately a lot of these rookies, unfortunately, if you're getting multiple starting pitchers, won't get the opportunity in the playoffs for the Dodgers. Yeah, that's 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 disappointing for me from from a lot of different perspectives, but Hey, it's the Dodgers. We know they're in win-now mode all the time. This is not something that you should have been surprised by. You know, you just figured as the year went, it's tough to be a rookie in this organization. It's tough to be a young guy, you know, trying to work your way up. This isn't like the Pirates or the another club that, that can just throw four or five rookies out there, give them 300 at-bats, not worried how you're doing. You have to hit the ground running in this organization because the Dodgers, when you re-sign a guy like Clayton Kershaw, when you bring in a J.D. Martinez, you know, when, whenever you bring in a Mookie Betts to a 10-year contract, you sign a Freddie Freeman, you owe it to everybody who's helped paying for those people, you know, the, the, advertise, the people who buy the advertising, that buy the tickets, that buy the merchandise, you owe it to them to do what you think is in the best interest of the team to help win a World Series. And, and a lot of times it's a big leap of faith to say that is a rookie to do that with. And so I get it, I get it, but but I can't say I can't honestly sit here and say that if that is the case, they go get a Verlander. All the rookies are squeezed out. James Alvin, it looks like, is probably going to platoon and and only play you know against certain certain type type pitchers. That would be very disappointing for me, but I would have to say I also understand. Yeah, no, and when you're part of the Dodgers, obviously there is this high expectation that you win the World Series basically every single year. That is the expectation. And the Dodgers front office wants to 
provide as much certainty as they possibly can to try to help win that World Series. And so I think from their perspective, they're trying to add certainty by getting some guys who have longer track records. And I think that's frustrating for us just because we've seen a lot of these guys. We've seen the track record that a lot of these guys have had through the minors. And we know that they need some of this experience to help further elevate their game. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we're a little bit frustrated by that, but we also totally understand from the Dodgers perspective, they want to win the World Series this year. If they think that this gives them the best opportunity to do that, then that's what they're going to do. So here's the deal. Here's where it's not frustrating. Bobby Miller wasn't scheduled to make his, his, you know, maybe towards the end of the year. Emmett Sheehan wasn't scheduled to be, you know, in the major leagues this year. I think the next year was probably his ETA. So I think you actually, you kind of stole some time for them. You know, they got some time that I don't think a lot of people were, especially not this much with Bobby Miller. I think a lot of people expected Bobby Miller to make the major leagues this year, but maybe not have as much, you know, pitching time as he got. You know, so, so from that perspective, and I don't think anybody expected James Alvin coming into spring training other than, you know, people that really follow the prospects like we do. I don't think anybody expected James Altman to be the everyday starting center fielder like he's ha- like he has been. So that's been fantastic, you know, and obviously he's fought his way into that. Miguel Vargas was definitely disappointing. So from a lot of perspectives, you did get a lot of experience for these guys. Coming into next year, it'll be very interesting over the offseason to see the kind of moves they make, to see how sold they are on these prospects. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's just a testament to the success and the talent that a lot of these guys had, that they pushed their way into an organization where it is extremely difficult to land and stick if you are a rookie at the major league level. And they just have incredible talent and they have so much potential that the Dodgers wanted to utilize them. Some of it had to do a little bit with circumstances. Obviously they didn't expect to deal with this much injuries on the pitching Mm -hmm. staff, but these guys took the mantle that they were given. They took the opportunity that they had and they just ran with it to the point where we were having a serious conversation as far Mm -hmm. as what the role for a lot of these guys are. And I think that each one of these guys, no matter what their role is going down the stretch, should take that and just be extremely proud with what they're able to do and take that as momentum Uh, and take that as an opportunity for the future as they go into their future career with the Dodgers. Yep, and it's a blessing and a curse to be a prospect in the Dodgers organization because, hey, you're with the Dodgers, the reputation's out there, you're getting the best development, you're getting the best of everything. So let's say you get to the AA level, like I was in Tulsa yesterday, okay, and and that makes you a very attractive attractive player to other teams okay but you're also blocked with the team you're with you know because there's mm-hmm. so many there's so many great players ahead of you always even at the double and triple a level and then you always know the dodgers are going to go pick up some veterans so it's just you're so blocked to get to the major league level in the dodgers organization so it's a curse from that perspective but it's a blessing because every other organization wants you and these prospects are told every time they take the field hey you are auditioning for all 30 clubs yeah, no, and I think we've saw that this past week with the trade, in this exact same trade with Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, mm-hmm. with other guys getting an opportunity. So a guy like Nick Nestrini and a guy like Jordan Leisure, both guys who have been part of this Dodgers organization for several years, guys who have shown incredible, incredible stuff, incredible, incredible talents. Yet, if you look at just the overall big picture, if you look at the overall future, you don't know what sort of opportunities you're going to get in this organization just with how much talent they have and with the Dodgers tendencies to bring in a lot of these veterans. And so when you look at both of these guys, obviously, I think it's disappointing that they're not going to be a part of this system, part of this team that we talk about a lot. But also, if we look at it from another perspective, these guys 
are going to get real opportunities mm -hmm. and the Chicago White Sox organization. So we've talked about it all along. We cheer for these guys, whether they're within the Dodgers, whether they're within a different organization. And I think they're going to get real opportunities to prove themselves in a Chicago team that's looking to rebuild, looking to build for the future. Yep. I think you could see both of these guys be staples for that organization. Mm -hmm. Look at these guys get to the major leagues. They can push for a major league roster within the next year or two. And for that, uh, I think we're both extremely excited, extremely happy for both of these guys to get those opportunities. And so that's the other side of the coin with this. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously the roster spots in the Dodgers extremely limited, but they have an opportunity to move elsewhere and further their growth and get opportunities at the major league club elsewhere. Yep. And I can tell you, man, that it's a, it's a weird emotion because you love your brothers, man. You mm -hmm. love your teammates. I'm telling you, you miss your teammates when you get traded, but then it's super exciting because you know, you're going to an organization that's going to give you way more opportunities to, to make it to the major leagues. So these guys are very excited. They're, they're, they're very sad to leave the situation they're in and their brothers that, that they spend every day with, but they're also super excited for themselves as far as the opportunities they're going to have. So you ready for a mailbag? Sure am. All right, it's Monday, Austin, so it's time for our mailbag. So let's dive into it. The first question that was sent in this week, and it was sent in via a comment. By the way, if you have a question you'd like answered, uh, DM me. You know, you can you can go to my Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, and direct message me. I get all those messages. You can also email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com or my personal email, caseyporter73, casey.porter73 at gmail.com. All those emails are all over my web website at dodgersdaily.net. So, hey, they probably the easiest way to do it is leave a comment or DM me, but however you'd like to do that, leave a question for a Monday mailbag. Okay, question number one, Austin, I'm going to let you run with this because I know you've done a lot of research. Who is eligible for the Rule 5 draft over the offseason? First of all, explain what the Rule 5 draft is and then who is eligible. Yeah, so Major League Baseball, obviously there's an overwhelming amount of talent in Major League Baseball, and there's also limited opportunities that guys are able to get. And so with these organizations, when they're acquiring talent, some one things that Major League Baseball wants to avoid is certain teams acquiring and holding on to all of the different talent without giving all of these guys different opportunities. And so the Rule 5 draft is a way to uh, allow for that. So if a guy has been with an organization for a certain amount of time, certain amount of years, and he has not been added to the 40-man roster, he is eligible for the Rule 5 draft, meaning in December, after the season has concluded, a team could potentially pick him up, and he would have to be a part of that organization's major league club for the entire organization. And so that's kind of the Or get sent back. Or he could potentially get sent back, which we saw with a guy like Gus Varland this yep. past season. Um, and so that has to be part of the future calculations for the Dodgers is which guys are we even able to keep as part of the future because of the upcoming Rule 5 draft. Now, yep. there is a resource available to help kind of evaluate this. You can kind of see who's going to be available in the future. If you go to fangraphs.com, you look at the Dodgers roster resource, it actually tells you who's going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft actually right on there. Uh, and so some of the most notable names that are going to be Rule 5 eligible, I'm going to use guys who haven't been Rule 5 eligible in the past, although there's yeah. certainly some guys on there that you could take a look at a guy like a hunter fiducia who's already rule five eligible he will be that again upcoming this season but just some guys uh this upcoming season who you could see the dodgers and they would be looking to if they remain part of this organization likely add you look at a guy like in landon knack uh if you look at a guy like a carson taylor a guy like a nick frasso 
a guy like Kyle Hurt, who has really proven himself this year. Those are some guys who, a guy like a Daner Fernandez, all of those guys have proven themselves to be successful within this organization. And if they are not added to the 40-man roster by the end of November, early December timeframe, whenever the deadline is, uh, they would be eligible to be picked up by another organization. And so I think you look Mm -hmm. at some of those guys, when the Dodgers are evaluating what their roster is going to look like in the future, those are some guys that they could look to add to their 40-man roster at the end of the season. Yep. So if you if you were signed when you were 18, like an Eddie Slayenard, Yorbet Vivas, okay, it's five years. So let's mm-hmm. say you sign when you're 16, you're an international player. So when you're 21, the, the club has to put you on the 40-man or you are Rule 5 eligible. If you were signed 19 or older, then it's four years for the club before you not the twenty six, but you got to put on be put on at least the forty man roster, and if not, then you are eligible for that Rule Five draft. So, yeah, hey, those are the types of guys that the Dodgers know. This this is part of the equation, okay? Are they need to know with a Landon Knack? Hey, are we going to put this guy? You know, with a Nick Frasso, we're going to put him on our forty man in the off season because if not, we have to trade him. We have to trade him because if you don't trade a Nick Frasso and don't have plans or a Landon Act and don't have plans to put him on your 40-man in the offseason, then you're going to lose them and get nothing out of them. So that tells you right there, if they don't trade Landon Knack, if they don't trade Nick Frasso, the higher-profile guys like that, they're going to put them on the 40-mans in the offseason, which means somebody else is going to have to get cut out. Yeah, no, that is absolutely right. And that is of serious consideration, especially when you're talking about the trade deadline this season. Uh, A lot of these guys who you don't know if you're going to be able to add to the 40-man roster, those are guys you are much more likely to be willing to trade because you're already thinking about potentially the reality of losing these guys for nothing, essentially. Uh, And so that has to be a very serious consideration when you're talking about this overall aspect of the trade deadline uh, for the big league club when you're looking at the Real 5 draft as well. So Jose Ramos, trade, put him on the 40-man, or which way, which way do you go with him? Because you will – the Dodgers did not – some people thought they would, that Jose Ramos would go in the 40-man last year. I was not one of those guys because he is just at the high-A level. I didn't think any team was one, would want to put a, a high-A level guy on, the, on their 26 for an entire year who had struck out as much as Jose Ramos. The Dodgers will lose him this year, though. So, hey, are they going to trade him or are they going to put him on the 40-man? Which, which way are they going to go with Jose Ramos? This is extremely difficult, too, because yeah. I, I don't know as far as the overall roster is concerned. I think both you and I were on the same page last year. We were kind of evaluating, okay, do you take a guy who's perhaps super toolsy like a Jose Ramos? Do you get a guy like a Johnny DeLuca, add him to the 40-man roster? I think both you and I were on the same page as far as add the Johnny DeLuca type guy just with yep. his skill. Um, this upcoming season with the Dodgers, you're going to have some guys come off the books as far as be free agents with yeah. a guy like a David Peralta, a guy like a Jason Hayward. However, I don't know if the Dodgers want to keep a lot of their 40-man roster spots stockpiled with guys who need perhaps a little bit more experience. Because you're yeah. going to have a guy like a uh, Andy Pajes, if you add a guy like a uh, Jose Ramos, both those guys probably are going to need more time in the minor leagues before they are ready yeah, for Pajes the Pajes is already on the 40-man. He is already on the 40-man, but he's still going to need time to develop because of the injury that he sustained this year. Uh, So I don't know if they are able to add him to this 40-man roster next season, which makes it extremely difficult Mm -hmm. because if he's not traded, uh, he has the talent. He has the power. He has the ability. He has the arm strength. He has the ability to play the outfield. He has all of these tools to make him not just a big league player, but a very productive big league player as well to the point where they are looking at the very real possibility of losing out Mm -hmm. on a talent like that just because Mm -hmm. of you know the Dodgers they'd probably be looking to add some sort of veteran presence towards their outfield I don't know if they're going to have this space to add them to the 40-man roster no they're going to do everything they can to keep as much talent as they can in the organization though 
I don't think they're going to put Kyle Hurt on the 40-man because there's just so much of a stockpile of talent ahead of him. I think, you know, he, he's sat 98-99. He almost has two strikeouts per inning he's thrown this year. I don't necessarily think they're going to trade him. We'll see here in the next 24 hours. So do you think that he would get picked up in the Rule 5, Kyle Hurt? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, that would be great for him. <laughs> yes. No, and that is – I'm saying that with – complete confidence just yep. with the talent the skill his ability to yeah. strike guys out this yep. season he will get he would get picked up of the Dodgers don't don't add him and he would be successful for another organization so it's a win-win for Kyle because a guy like Kyle because either you get put on a 40-man roster for the Dodgers which means hey if they're going to do that they're not going to waste a 40-man spot for somebody they're not going to take to the major leagues mm-hmm. or you get put on a 26-man roster for somebody else so it's a win-win let's oh, get absolutely. to our yeah let's get to our second question Ryan Pepio, will he help this year? I'll go ahead and dive into that. I've seen both of his outings. And, hey, I can tell you this. He thinks that he feels right now as good as he's ever felt. I actually broke down his mechanics the other day step by step, and they are absolutely in sync. His body is totally in sync. His mechanics look great. Again, don't look at at results when you're talking about rehab outings. These guys are working on so many different things. Other than worried about results, they're working on, hey, just accessing the zone here, accessing the zone there, getting their body to work right here, work right there. I definitely think Ryan Pepio looks as good as he has looked, and he feels great right now. I think he could be a big-time weapon in that, hey, piggyback-type pitcher and or maybe a a multiple-inning relief guy, spot starter, maybe the fifth starter if Lance Lynn doesn't work out. I definitely think Ryan Pepio will play a factor. Yeah, no, absolutely. He has a ton of talent. He has so much talent that you want him to be able to utilize that talent at the big league club. I think there's going to be opportunities for him to be able to do that. And that's really great to hear that he's feeling just about as good as he's ever been. Uh, Dodgers could really utilize a guy with that skill set. No doubt about it. Okay, question number three. Boy, this is a tough one. I can talk all day about this one. Will the Dodger who will the Dodgers miss the most they've lost so far via trade? Yeah. No, this is this is very tough one because this is a, loss via trade doesn't even include a guy like a Justin Brule, a guy like an Eddie Slayonar too. Yeah, when I showed you this when you just went, Whoo. <laughs> oh, I know. Tough one. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. And and when you're talking about uh who they're gonna lose via trade, don't just look at a lot of these rankings by a lot of yeah. big organizations because that doesn't include all of the multitude of talents and skills that each one of these guys have. So obviously the big headline name has been the loss of a guy like a Nick Nistrini, who's very well prominent within the prospect community as far as being uh, that number nine ranked prospect or whatever ranked prospect. But the, the guys that the Dodgers lost who were relievers are as well. Don't sleep on those guys because those guys are going to be big league players who are going to play massive roles in whatever role they are required of Mm -hmm. for Boston, for Chicago. And so all of these guys are they are very difficult to lose. But it's also they weren't going to get the opportunity in Los Angeles. So you have to take everything into consideration with this. Uh, all these guys are extremely talented. I've had the most exposure of Nick Nestrini. Got to yeah. see him several times pitch last year. Jordan Leisure, I think he played for Great Lakes last year. Yeah. Uh, very early in April, yeah. he was mm-hmm. in it's very early, but was extremely dominant, extremely effective during that time. Yep. All of these guys, uh, it's going to be extremely difficult to see go, but very happy for all of them. Yeah, I, I think I think I think uh, in the short term, Nick Robertson. I think he's going to go up there and kill it with Boston. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to go Justin Hageman. What? Wow, they have no clue how good this yeah. guy is. The three quarter yeah. slot. He's been in AAA and a very hitter friendly PCL for for a year and a half now since the beginning of last year. And his ERA has consistently been mid twos. And you know he's that guy that pitches to contact a lot, which the Dodgers aren't looking for that guy right now in their bullpen. Justin Hageman, way underrated. So, obviously, those are the two, I think, in the media. I think they're immediately go to the major league level and help right now. Nick yes. Robertson, I think, is going to help quite a bit. You mentioned Nick Nestorini, of course. This is where you get to be. You mentioned not not relying on top 30 prospects and being slated to them. Jordan Leisure, 
Okay, seven feet of extension, which means that when he delivers the ball, he is 53 feet away from home plate. So, hey, you know, that's that's elite as far as seven-foot extension. He sat 98-99. So let's take a guy, say, you know, with, with six-foot extension, which is pretty typical because that's the body length of a human being. So he's, a foot, he's, he's throwing the ball a foot closer to home plate than a guy with six-foot extension, and he's throwing it 98-99. So that 99 miles an hour with seven-foot extension literally is looking like 105 miles an hour to a hitter and the Chicago White Sox they measured all that they graded his fastball I have been told by by people that know I've been told by people yeah. that absolutely know they graded his fastball as an 80 grade Jordan Leisure yeah that and that is phenomenal that's phenomenal they saw and you talked about them doing their homework they saw a guy they saw a talent that they could get and that can that is going to help them in their bullpen mm-hmm. at the big league level in the future this year Yes, very much so. And, um, man, he's going to be something that's going to be a real wrecking force in the American League Central for the Chicago White Sox for a long time to come because of, as you mentioned, some of these stuff that a lot of people don't necessarily always talk about. Um, The extension, just the overall perceived velocity of mm-hmm. the fastball it's going to be something that is going to be very very special and something that the white Sox are going to be able to utilize mm-hmm. his skills so to answer the question in the short term i think the dodgers are going to miss nick robertson the most in the long term i think they're going to miss jordan leisure the most and the most automatic to, that would be the most automatic they're going to miss is nick nestrini so mm-hmm. okay that was a great question that we had sent in okay the next question who should the starting shortstop be now that they have ahmed rosario yeah, no, that one. yeah, no, this is this is a this is a good one because I think what the Dodgers are going to do, I think they're going to do a lot of mixing and matching depending on some of the matchups that they best utilize or see uh, for a guy like Ahmed Rosario guy who they acquired because he can very well hit lefties. I think you're going to see him potentially fill that role. Uh, against left-handed pitching, whether that's shortstop, whether that is up the middle at second base as well. I think you could still see a guy like Miguel Rojas. I know he's very much struggled, but with his defensive uh, effectiveness that he has had, I think you're going to still see him get some innings at shortstop, whether he starts a game or whether he finishes a game at shortstop. Um, Dodgers have a lot of different options that they could utilize. I don't know necessarily if there's going to be that everyday type player for them that's going to play shortstop, though. Yeah, I would have to say you give a Med Rosario, I, I say, hey, the guy hits, you know, so, hey, let's see what he can do. I think you make, I think you make Miguel Rojas exactly what you actually brought him over to be now, which was the utility guy that can fill in different spots late-game defensive replacements. When the Dodgers went and got Miguel Rojas, I don't think they had any intentions to make him the everyday shortstop. Mm-hmm. That wasn't why they got him. So now that you get Ahmed Rosario, you actually get to put Rojas in the the position and role that you actually acquired him for. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point because they were not expecting Rojas to mm-hmm. fill this very high role. They were expecting him to be used in very certain pieces and spots to help fill out the length of this roster. Mm-hmm. Obviously, circumstances change, uh, and I think Ahmed Rosario can help fill that role and just kind of dilute mm-hmm. some of the pressure that I'm sure Miguel Rojas has felt yeah. filling in for shortstop in one of the top teams in the entire base, Major yeah. League Baseball. Yeah, so now you get to play Miguel Rojas only in times where it matches up well for him offensively. You get to put him in defensive replacement situations in the late ends of games. So really you get to specifically can be very specific with how you use him and access all of his strengths, which he has some, quite a few of them for a world championship caliber team. Yeah, 100%. And I think this is going to be best for him uh, just in the overall big picture of the Dodgers this season. Okay, so our last mailbag question of the day, Emmett Sheehan, we saw him pitch really, really well his last time out. Five innings scoreless, and the the swing and miss stuff finally showed up at the major league level. Trust me, it's there. He has some of the best swing and miss stuff of any young pitcher 
in the game of baseball. He struck out eight hitters in a row last year in the Arizona Fall League, which is a very good hitters league. So, hey, the swing and miss stuff is there. It just has not shown up to this point at the major league level. But it will once he gets comfortable and they start trusting his pitch mix and allowing him to mix it up a little bit better, you'll, he'll start getting a lot more swing and miss. Trust me on that deal. Okay, but what will his role be down the stretch? I think this is a really tough one because I think this is very dependent on potentially what the Dodgers do over the next couple of days. If they look to add a frontline starting pitcher, if they look to add a Justin Verlander, I think the role that Emmett Sheehan, the opportunities that he's going to have are going to be extremely limited. And I think mm-hmm. that's just the reality of the roster reconstruction. I think that's the reality of with some other guys getting healthy with a guy like Ryan Pepio. And I think that's the reality of the Dodgers also wanting to limit some of the the amount of pitches that a lot of their rookies, a lot of their younger guys are throwing. I think with Emmett Sheehan, he's been able to pitch quite a bit this season. I think some of that is going to start to wind down just mm-hmm. because the Dodgers are trying to keep these guys as healthy as possible and so i think you could see potentially a more reduction of the role of emmett sheehan that does not mean that he is uh less talented than a lot of or less thought of or less thought of absolutely they're just trying to utilize what they think uh could be best utilized to win a world series and what's going to be best for emmett sheehan in the long term as well as far as keeping him healthy uh, so I think you could see a little bit of a reduction in his role at the major league level. I think there are still going to be potentially opportunities for him to maybe get some starts yeah. if there's some sort of injury. Uh, but he is still extremely talented. He is just getting started. He's going to be a wrecking force, and he's going to strike a lot of hitters out at the major league level. Does he make the playoff roster? <sighs> that that's a, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't know, and I don't know yeah. if there's going to be a spot for him, yeah. especially if the Dodgers add another starting pitcher. Do yeah. you want to use him in a role that he is not used to out of the yeah. bullpen? Yeah, no. I would say no to that. I would say probably no to the playoff roster. Here's why. This is his third year in Machines as a professional. 2021, two years ago, he only threw 15 innings. Okay, mm-hmm. he started last year with shoulder issues. You remember that yes. at Great Lakes. So he got mm-hmm. off to a slow start last year, and then it took him till about June to get over all of those. And then once you could see it, man, he started building. And once he kept building, you know, he just got better and better and better. But he only threw 68 innings last year. Yes. Okay, he's thrown quite a few more innings this year and so they're going to ramp him down okay and i think they're going to shut him down at some point and it's going to be simultaneous with the fact they're getting lance lynn ryan pepio like you said ryan pepio is coming back maybe we have another trade coming in i don't think he'll make the playoff roster for those reasons and you can also say hey look listen listen to it we we kind of stole it here here we got you to the major leagues a year faster than we thought you were going to get here you got Mm -hmm. valuable experience let's take that experience let's use it as a momentum in the offseason, and then the Dodgers add a veteran, put him on the roster, whoever it may be, Pepio, whoever it may be. And then Emmett Sheehan comes back next year, established, ready to be a force at the major league level. I think it's a win-win all the way around in that scenario. Yes, 100%. Of- I think that's a really good point as far as the very limited innings that he had last year. I know he went down pretty early right after his first great start Mm -hmm. with Great Lakes last year, spent a couple months off. You don't want to go from 68 to 200 innings pitched. That is not held good and healthy for his arm. So you're going to see some sort of serious reduction as far as innings is concerned. And I think that just corresponds with the Dodgers overall identity and perspective this year of adding a lot of veteran talent. Yeah, at the major league level so far, he has, well, at the minor league level, he has 53.1 innings this year. So he's getting to, so his his minor league stats, major league stats, he has 34.1. So, hey, he's at 87 and two-thirds innings already. So there you have it. There's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed Austin. He's going to join every Monday for the Monday Mailbag. So hope you enjoyed the show and, and hope you tune in next time. You'll see me. We'll be on Wednesday morning as we bring you Dodgers Daily again. Don't forget to leave your questions in the comments section for our next Monday to Mailbag. Don't forget to like this video, share this video, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. And also don't forget that we do have a GoFundMe account and the link to that is in the description. So as always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and say go Dodgers.